The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 382, returning guest to the show. It's going to be a fun one today. He uh, does a lot of great work over at Run Pure Sports. He does DFS and season-long fantasy, does a little bit of everything, and he's also a great presence on the good old Twitter. You can find him on Twitter at DraftCheat. Preet Christensen, how are we doing, man? I'm doing great, Bubba. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm uh, a loyal listener. Uh, love your show with that uh, <laughs> crazy, of course. So yeah. happy to be on. And it's been a long time since we did we did a show. I think we did one. Oh, if my memory serves me right, we did a couple of shows. I think before COVID, before yeah. 2020, uh, you know, before it got delayed. Um, yeah, we, we. I think we're breaking down like our favorite, you know, upside picks. If I if, if I fire golf correctly at each position, and uh, yeah, that, those went a little bit out the window. I think when the season got delayed and uh, the world turned on its head. But happy to be back. What uh, a year and a half later here. Yeah, no, we've been trying to, to to connect and make one work. It's just both our schedules are pretty pretty bananas. So it's a uh, it's good to, to squeeze this one in. Those were fun shows, and I, I kind of want to do those again this next off season. So yeah. our listeners liked it a lot. Of kind of a a different angle in draft season so we'll definitely do that but today um you mentioned batflip crazy he's on vacation yet again he's usually the tuesday show so we bring in another ringer basically to talk about some uh some nfbc some fabs some other fun stuff going on in fantasy so uh we'll kick it off with some recent news just dropping about a half hour ago again we kind of joked about it before the show the marlins made a trade they acquired joe panic and they sent uh, Corey dickerson and uh, a reliever to toronto any fantasy value to this besides Jesus Sanchez starting every day in left field for the Marlins? Yeah, I guess that's kind of the the, the main takeaway, right? It frees up a little bit of room in the uh, in the Marlins outfield for Jesus Sanchez. It'll be interesting to see if he can get going. I know it's been, a, I think, a little bit of a slow start for him, right? Um, mm-hmm. 
he was crushing it in AAA 2020, kind of struggled when he came up. And, man, we're seeing a lot of these prospects struggle, both pitching and hitting. And, uh, you know, I, I've heard some people theorize, and I, I kind of agree with them at this point, that, you know, maybe these top prospects who, um, you know, got to go to the alternate site last year, whereas – you know, all the non-top prospects just got sent home. They didn't get to play any baseball in 2020. And they might be like a step ahead of their competition, like an extra step ahead, right? Obviously, the top prospects for a reason. And maybe their stats at AAA, both from a hitting and, and, and uh, pitching standpoint, are inflated uh, compared to their peers more than they normally would be. Then they make the jump to the big show, right? And it's just like a, a bigger jump than it would otherwise be in other seasons. Because, I mean, Jared Kalanick was awful even Wander Franco, you know, he homered in his first game, but it's been a struggle since then. And then, man, uh, I play a lot of DFS and do a lot of DFS stuff over at Run Pure Sports. I've fallen for these these uh, rookie call-up pitchers too many times at this point because I'm kind of used to these guys having some success when they typically came up, especially if they're dominating at the AAA level. So, yeah, it's been interesting uh, from that standpoint. Obviously, that, that wasn't the question, but, um, yeah, in terms of – the, the value, I think Sanchez is the, is the main thing for Miami. And then, I, I don't know, is Dickerson really going to threaten the playing time of a guy like um, Randall Grichik maybe in, in uh, Toronto? Like, it could get a little bit crowded there. We just don't really know the motivations for the Blue Jays behind that trade. Uh, I don't know the reliever they got back, but I don't necessarily, you know, if Grichik keeps hitting, I, I think he'll stay in the lineup most days. So I don't think this has a, a huge impact. Frankly, it's not like Dickerson was doing much anyway, right? So I, I don't think it has a huge impact on the fantasy landscape, at least. Yeah, Dickerson still has a walking boot on, so it's going to be yeah, a little yeah, exactly. to see what's going on there. But it's just interesting because if you look at their lineup, there's like no lefty presence really, except Biggio. So you yeah. could see some some weird stuff with Guriel or Grichik. Guriel's kind of been a disappointment overall this yeah, season compared sure. to what we wanted. So we'll see. I, I, I'd still rather have Guriel and Grichik in a lineup 110%. But we'll we'll see where that goes with Dickerson. Just his on base skills. Can you imagine putting him at the top with like Simeon in front of those big boys? Like that's just another. Just a, they score even more runs. But to your your DFS point, because um, we both do a lot of DFS, and I'm with you. I've fallen to those because year after year, if you see like a 4K pitch, you're like, okay, I'm going to play them. Go give me four or five innings, and you know you're going to get the points and go. Yeah, these guys are just dreadful. Like Jackson Co are like, holy crap! Like, <laughs> what the hell happened there? So it's, like, I mean, it's, a, it's a long list of them. Uh, yeah, yeah. Gilbert has Logan Gilbert for the, the Mariners. Figured it out. Turned it around, but he was awful for the first couple starts. Um, I mean, all the Royals guys that have pitched that have come up have been poor. Yeah, Lynch, yeah. yeah it's yeah, it's it's been rough. So we'll see. I, I'm excited for a couple of Reds guys, uh, Hunter mm-hmm. Green and yep. Nick Lodolo. I think. Look awesome, you know. Hunter Green's throwing what, 103 miles per hour. So, you would think that would play at any level, but at this point, I'm like a little bit hesitant. And uh, you know, I've got, I've got some fab saved up in a lot of leagues, waiting for some of these big call ups. But I'm, you know, less sure that they're gonna kind of contribute to to my teams than than I was maybe you know a couple months ago. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. It's uh, it's been tough tough out there on the uh, the fab streets with these prospects. Yeah. Uh let's go to the Cubs real quick. Uh, Rizzo, another back injury. It seems to happen to him every like once a month or something. Yeah. He's back he's back with day to day, but the main question I have for you like you're not dropping these guys. That, that's pretty simple, but you know you got Rizzo's, you got Bryant's, you got Baez's that just been a massive like struggle this season and they were last year we kind of we kind of put that to the, like oh we'll say it's covid and these guys are going to bounce back. And even Ian Happ, he went deep on Monday. He's been atrocious, hitting below 200. What are you doing with some of these guys that, like, you're not dropping the big dogs, but, like, is Ian Happ droppable? What are you doing with this Cubs offense? 
Yeah, I was pretty excited about Hap to start the year, but I could bait on him a while ago. So uh, I saw some people, you know, tweeting uh, tweeting that they finally cut him or finally benched him. Of course, he hits a home run on the first day. I jumped ship. Uh, when he first got that injury, right, he, he had that uh, nasty collision in the outfield. He wasn't hitting at the time, and I was just like, you know what? I don't know how long he's going to be out, but I'm just I'm moving on because uh, I don't know, especially in you know in 12, 12 team leagues. There's enough outfielders out there, I think. So I moved on from Hap where I had him if I could. Um, yeah, the Cubs. I don't know. I, I didn't really wasn't really in on the Cubs to start the year for the most part, frankly. I mean Rizzo, it's just the back injury doesn't seem like it's going away, right? Kind of him and Christian Yelich are just the backs are tough. You can't. It's just it seems like. You play enough games in a row, and all of a sudden, you know, your back probably slowly starts hurting more and more, and then you're like, all right, I need a, a few days off here, right? Because you're not going to, you know, get surgery on your back if you don't absolutely have to. So it doesn't seem like these things are going away. Rizzo seems to be okay uh, when he's in the lineup, but he, he does seem to me to be on kind of the, the downside of his career in terms of production, especially from a fantasy purpose. Um, Baez, I mean, the... <clears throat> The production's been okay, right? Like the 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 power and the speed, which which is kind of why you draft him, has been great. Average, not so much. And then Bryant, I don't know what's been up with him. I mean, he started the year crushing it, right? It looked like it was a very bad fade. I, I wasn't in on Bryant at all. I don't have any nope. shares across my 16 teams. Um, so, yeah, I haven't really been paying attention to him because, you know, I play all NFBC, so there's no trades. I don't have him. Uh, I guess paying attention a little bit for DFS, but I haven't really been on in on him there either. Is he been he, he's been slumping? I assume if he's ice cold. Him. The month of June, the month yeah. of June's been absolutely atrocious when it comes to Chris Bryant. He's hitting a buck fourteen, so it's uh, it's been pretty rough in the streets for Chris Bryant. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, the, the like you get some pretty good matchups in that division, right? So you would think maybe they could turn it around, but we'll see. And of course, the Cubs could potentially be sellers at the deadline. Yeah. I think that was the assumption that everybody kind of had coming into the year and then their uh their bullpen has kind of been carrying them i mean craig kimbrell wow what a year from him and and kind of the relievers around them so uh not oftentimes you see a uh, team's bullpen carry them i suppose more often in you know in this era of baseball than ever before because we do see i don't know it's, it's close to getting close i think to 50 percent of the innings are thrown by a team's bullpen ultimately so that's been the, the carrying uh, unit for them but it doesn't seem like a long-term recipe for success, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Cubs over the next, what, month or so? Do we have about a month, I think, before yeah. the trade goes on? Usually yeah. it's like, I think it's August 1st, give or take, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, end of July, yep, yep. So yeah. that'll be interesting. So, it'll be interesting because, the like you said, they're still contending. The Brewers are on a hot streak, so they've taken over, but the Cubs are there, so you don't see them selling, but before the season, they were all rumored to be getting sold. So yeah, really interesting to see how that one goes, but this massive disappointment with this offense that I know some people are looking to uh, to cut some bait on this one. Um, Cattell Marte goes back to the IL. This has just been ridiculous time and time again with him. You're yeah. holding him, obviously. You can't really drop him. But I wanted to bring up that Cole Calhoun's coming back again from an injury. Are you What, what level of interest do you have in a Cole Calhoun? Because with as shallow as the waiver wires are these days, this could be quite intriguing. Yeah, could be. I think especially in 15-teamers, he could be an outfielder that could help you in the power department. Um, we'll see. I mean, I, I assume Arizona is going to kind of sell off all of the pieces that they can, right? They've just been atrocious this season. If Calhoun comes comes back and starts hitting, I would assume he'll be traded as well, right? I'm sure he can go to some contender and be a, a you know a fourth outfielder, a, a pinch hitter off the bench. I think in the NL, you know, every team needs one of those. 
So uh, that's what I assume would kind of happen to, to Cole Calhoun. Cattell Marte, I mean, this guy just can't can't stay healthy, you know. It's uh, all the talent in the world there with Cattell Marte. I've been a fan for a number of years, but obviously pretty frustrating. He's another guy that I think they would probably trade if they could. And I think if he's healthy and performing, he'd get quite a haul for him, right? I mean, he's an he's a impact player. Uh, Calhoun, I would assume, would be a bench bat for a contender. Calhoun could, I mean, Cattell Marte would step right in the starting lineup for almost any team if he's if he's healthy. So I'm sure they're hoping for that. And then it, it does, or should at least open up time, I think, for some of the uh, Arizona youngsters, right? Guys like Josh Rojas, who has been leading off most of the time, almost all the time against right-handed pitchers and platoon sometimes against lefties. But if they trade these guys, I think they would just try to see what they got, right? Let them hit against lefties too. Dalton Varsho, who is obviously has not performed whatsoever at the big league level, but with an extended run and, and catcher eligibility, but playing the outfield, like there's a lot of potential there. So if you can, you know, stash and hold him, that's, that's interesting to me. So we'll see. I mean, Arizona obviously going to be sellers, right? There's just no question about it. So it'll be interesting to see what they can get, how many of that, these guys they can sell and, they're going to get even worse. So I think you are going to see some of these young guys just get a chance to play every day and see what they can do. Yep. They'll be there every day. Christian Walker will be the veteran in that team. It'll be crazy to see see how young they are, but yeah, Varsho massive disappointment. We were all, a lot of us were very excited with that catcher eligibility in the preseason. Obviously did not pan out, but uh, I'd love to see a Cattell Marte trade to see what that return would be and where he could go. Cause that could be something like you said, he's a game changer for a lot of teams. And that'd be, is it quite quite intriguing? Is there any? Uh, I haven't seen any word. Is it a serious hamstring injury, or is it more of like a we don't want you playing through anything right now because we got to trade you? I think it's more that because they didn't put him on the IL initially, and they let him yeah. uh, come back after like two games, and he kind of retweaked it real quick, and I think they just finally said we're shutting you down for like two weeks. But yeah. we know they're going to be busy because they sat Eduardo Escobar out like on Saturday because he was rumored to be traded, but he's played yeah. the last two games, so we'll see where that one goes. So that's sure. active for sure. Um, just a couple quick notes. Brandon Nimmo is supposed to return this week, but he got pushed back a few days. Uh, Fran Mil Reyes will be back on Friday, most likely, and then Gene Sakura is coming back as well. Speaking of Fran Mil Reyes, the Josh Naylor injury was just disgusting. Like, yeah. that was nasty. Hard one to watch. Like, every time I see something like that, I think Napoleon Kaufman on Monday Night Football. Like, if you remember those days, that was just ridiculous. Yeah. But um, with Naylor going down for the season, Oscar Mercado gets called back up. Are we falling for this trap again? <laughs> it's kind of hard not to, right? If you need, yeah. if you need speed, um, like the number, the minor league numbers don't look that look that great this year. If I if I recall correctly, I think the batting average is pretty low. But um, you know, the I think the strikeout rate remains pretty good. Yeah, fifteen percent, sixteen percent strikeout rate. Walk rate is up. Um, he's just not a, in my opinion, not a very good hitter. He's kind of a, a little bit like a, a Victor Robles for me, who I was really out on this year. Haven't really been on Inan you know, Mercado in the past. I mean, in 2019, he did hit 15 home runs, 15 steals, and 115 games. That's that's useful production for sure. So I think there's there's certainly some upside there. I mean, nine steals and 45 games at the at the minor league level. Looks like he's pretty efficient on the base paths as well. So I do think they'll probably let him run. Um, you know, if he, if he's if he's playing every day, which which maybe he will. We'll see with Fran No Reyes coming back. But yeah, Cleveland. You know they don't have a ton of talent, right? They've got some top end guys for sure, led by of course Jose Ramirez and Fran Mill. But other than that, a little bit deficient talent wise. So yeah, I, I think there's there's interest in Mercado just to see what he can do, right? I mean, if he gets hot, I think there's a chance he can be uh, a big contributor. And 
it's tough to t- find steals out there, especially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I mean, a lot of my teams are, are kind of struggling a little bit in steals because I was super, super in on Adalberto Mondesi. So you're kind of banking on, on him running and he just crushes every, uh, every once, a, you know, once a month when he gets to play for a week, but uh, he's injured again, of course. So yeah, I'll be keeping an eye on Mercado. Um, and then yeah, Fran Mill, I mean, he was crushing it before he went on the IL. I would assume he'll, kind of pick up where he left off right in the middle of that lineup right next to Jose Ramirez. Yeah. I like Framel the DH and come back. One guy I've been loving is like you mentioned, Jose is good. Ahmed Rosario has been decent. Eddie Rosario is heating up right now over like yeah. the last week. That's been good to see. But uh, Harold Ramirez, like you, you play DFS. He's cheap every day. He's been very productive and uh, I think he's going to stay there. So I'm wondering if Mercado is just kind of like a fourth outfielder right now. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a weird feel for him, but you never know if he gets streaky and Cleveland can be sellers too. So you never know. Like let Fran yeah. play for a couple of days. They sell. They trade him or something. Yeah, I mean, I think in general, sometimes, at least in my opinion, people kind of overrate the the playing time aspect. Oh, where is he going to play? Where is he going to play? It's like, I mean, in the outfield, if he's hitting, you know, yeah. like he's going to get chances to play. Of course, if he starts hitting, and, and you know, we know he can play some decent defense in the outfield. They need him out there. They they don't have very many good outfielders. Like. He'll play then if he can if he can earn it. So sometimes you just gotta you know wait a week, but it doesn't take long. If a player's producing, they'll, they'll get in the lineup. So he's worth a speculative ad. You know, it doesn't mean you have to start him in the outfield the very first week to pick him up or anything like that. But yeah, uh, he he was he picked up. I don't think he was picked up last week, was he? No, uh, I, I didn't see him picked up. No. Yeah, so he'll be if he has a good week. If he steals a couple bases, he'll be a, a popular ad. I think, especially in deeper leagues. No doubt about it. Uh, Sonny Gray's coming back this weekend. That'll be uh, much, hopefully, good for a lot of teams looking for pitching help. But uh, that's about it for the news cycle. Let's talk some fab. This has been a, a wild run. Like the start of the season, it was let's go crazy and spend all the money we have on closers. That's what everyone was doing. That's calmed down a bit. We got a little more of that this week, though. Overall, on the season, though, how's your fab situation looking? Are you uh, really short on money? You've been doing good with saving money. How, how's things going for you? Pretty good for the most part. Um, yeah, my I, I do have one uh, one online championship where I blew it all early on the Blue Jays situation. I think I went. I can't even remember like who was first. You know, Mary, I mean? Merriweather. Yeah, there's, well, I think Romano was first, and then Merriweather was next, and then it was back to. Like delete, I don't know. I, I think I blew like $600 chasing those guys. Uh, typically, though, it's it's in pretty good shape because I drafted a ton of Liam Hendricks, who's been his typical awesome self. I drafted a ton of Kenley Jansen, who's been a rock all season. And then Hector Neris, who uh, now has lost his closer job. We'll talk about that, I'm sure. But yeah. he did produce, right? He was in my lineup mm-hmm. every day. Got, what, I think, 11 or 12 saves out of him, which that's fine. You know, you move on from him. So, yeah, my save situation is good most places. Um, and so I haven't had to, to chase the saves because, in general, chasing those saves hasn't really worked out. You know, I, I was tweeting a little bit in the in draft season saying, I think these closers who clearly have the job, guys like Hendricks, uh, Jansen, you know, obviously the other top guys, uh, Raldis Chapman and, and Josh Hader, all these other guys, I think they're going to be more valuable than ever because it's not just that we don't know who – the closers are going to be for some of these teams is that they might not ever have one, you know? And so what happens is, you know, like in, in the NFBC format where, where I play, uh, I know you play there as well. Like, you know, you get to start nine pitchers and you don't get to change them out for the week. And so if you get a, 
a halftime closer, right? Like a, one of the Detroit guys or something like that. Maybe Philadelphia might have that situation right now. We don't know for sure. You're talking, you know, maybe one save a week if they're splitting the role. And so even if they're getting some saves, you're sacrificing that spot where you could be using a two-star pitcher, right? And so it becomes a situation where even if they get some saves, if they're not getting them all and they're not that good of a pitcher anyway, you don't really want that guy filling up one of your spots because you're you're sacrificing potentially the other four categories, right? Wins, strikeouts, whip, and in an ERA, maybe if they're not a great pitcher for like maybe one save a week. And, and that's just not a, a winning formula. So it's been nice having these uh, Jansen and Hendricks in particular for me and a lot of teams because, you know, you just plug and play them and then you can kind of stream your last uh, couple pitching, starting pitching spots with, with good matchups or two starts, depending on, on what you're looking at for the week. So, yeah, we'll see with, with some of these situations that are coming up. But I know, you know, a lot of good players are kind of really deficient on saves. I think uh, your, your normal podcast partner, Batflip Crazy, seems like he's kind of struggling in saves in a lot of leagues, which is frustrating. Um, you know, I, I'm doing really well in TGFBI, but I did just lose Nara, so I'm down to one closer there. And that's like the one category where I can really gain at this point. Cause you know, when you're kind of up near the top of the overall, you're some categories, it's like, it, it doesn't do me any good to get any more wins. Cause you know, I'm, I'm at the top. I don't even climb if I, if I get a win necessarily. So we'll see if some of these situations shake out, but it's tough, man. It's a, it's a moving target and it's, it's a tough one to hit. Yeah. I'm totally with you. And, and I had the same philosophy in draft season. I'd like my top six guys that I knew were locked into roles. I want at least one of those yeah. coming out of the draft. And then, like, I was big on Kimbrell. I didn't think he'd be this good by any means, but I felt he was locked into his job, and he got him later in drafts. Guys like that, that could, could come out for you. I had Naris circled and some other guys like that. So you kind of had to get lucky with some of those guys for sure. There's no doubting about that. But, yeah, I think it's more than ever. Like, it was kind of looking that way, and I think it's going to be that way next draft season. It'll be, it'll be interesting when these guys do the early, like, DCs in November and December to see where these um, closers go just for, for that kind of um, – question to see how if they're pushing them or not but i think that's a very very valid uh, situation it kind of feels you're a fantasy football guy it feels like the world of a uh, two two running backs that most teams carry now there's like four teams that have like a locked in back mm-hmm. and now you're just committee everywhere that's yep. the bullpen like all these teams like the giants i'm a giants fan yeah and it's frustrating because you have rogers and mcgee and it works for them like it totally works so why would they change it for us they don't give a shit about us so it's like <laughs> it, it makes total sense so, yeah those are those are kind of the guys i'm talking about where it's yeah. like you know, you're getting half the saves, but like, you know, Rogers, you're getting no strikeouts at all. Like I know Rogers, you know, for a while had a, a super low ERA and whip, but he's not, I mean, he's not a great pitcher. You know, I, I understand he can get the job done at times, but like, yeah, these, these big dogs, you know, uh, Liam Hendricks, like yeah. he's, this dude, he, you got like two saves on a double header in one day. I'm like, here we go. Tony Lurus, a good job, buddy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No other pit, no other manager would do something yeah, like exactly. that. Let's go, Tony. Go <laughs> sit on the whiskey. Would be like, no way. Yeah. When I saw he was when I saw the White Sox really in that second game, I'm like, Larusa might do it. <laughs> he might just do it. So yeah. we'll see how that goes. But let's talk about some of these potential committee messes that were paid for this last go around. With the red situation, uh, you know, with Anton going on the IL and Sims going on the IL. Now it looks like Amir Garrett's getting his chance again. He was picked up for as high as $373 in the NFPC, but Brad Brock was also a popular target. He was an 89, uh, an 80, as high as $89 in some leagues. Brock got a couple saves actually last week, which was interesting. Garrett looks like he has the better stuff. 
I was really not going heavy on either because this is yeah. what we've talked about basically. But if you had to go for one, which one did you want? Yeah, I actually picked up uh, Amir Garrett in I think three or four leagues for pretty cheap. You know, a thousand dollar NFBC budget. I think I got him for like between twenty and thirty dollars, so two to three percent of the total fab. Um, seemed like a decent speculation because I did lose I did lose Naris a bunch of places, so I kind of replaced. Nearest with, with Garrett. I don't know if he'll hold on to the role. I think he could, right? He does have good stuff. Great stuff. Yeah, I think he's I think he's capable of running with it. I don't necessarily expect him to. I would be pretty surprised if, if Brad Brock was able to hold this role down for a yeah. number. You know, I think that that was kind of my thought. I'm like, I'll I'll take the guy. I don't know who it's gonna be right now, but I think by the end of the week, you know, if Garrett locks one down and, and Brad Brock has a what I I just don't really expect him to have that much success, to be honest. Yeah, maybe Garrett could run with it, but I don't know. I mean, the Reds seem kind of hesitant to to really lock into one guy. We've obviously seen Sims uh, and Antone there, um, you know, partly due to injury. You know, they, they've they've kind of missed out, but we'll see. I, you know, I don't have like super high hopes for Garrett, but he seemed like a decent speculative ad, just because at least there's a chance, right? At least there's a chance he could really kind of find his mechanics uh, start throwing more strikes and we know he can get the strikeouts if, if he's on his game. So he seemed like the the guy to add to me just in terms of, I just think way more upside. I just don't see it with Brad Brock. Yeah. I'm with you, Garrett. I, I liked Garrett going to the season. I like Sims and Garrett. I was kind of willing to throw some dice out there yeah. at the end of drafts for them. Um, I think Garrett's definitely the better picture. Out of, like, to be honest, I watch a lot of baseball. I play a lot of baseball. Brock, uh, I didn't even realize he was a valid save option. Yeah, until a couple of days ago, I was really surprised by that. So he might, you know, piss piss some people off. I think Garrett's the way to go on, on that one. I'm with you there. Um, Philadelphia. Now you mentioned Naris, which is a shame because he was productive. It was he was getting the job done, collecting the saves. But now we get Jose Alvarado added as high as 176 dollars. You get Archie Bradley added in some leagues as well. You know, Bradley got the the contracts. People thought he'd be the closer. That's obviously not happening with Girardi in there. Bradley's been walking a ton of people, but so is Jose Alvarado. So if you had to pick your poison, looks like it's Alvarado's job for now, but you wouldn't be shocked if Bradley sneaks in there too. I mean, Bradley, I know he's got a 4.2 ERA, but like his metrics are, are just brutal. You know, you look at any any of the indicators, um, I don't use those as much because I kind of have my own stuff that I look at, but I mean, just the, those are all awful. You know, 1.6 home runs per nine. I mean, he's got almost as many walks as, as K's, as strikeouts. I just don't – I actually still think that Neris is their best option, to, to be honest. I'm maybe a little bit biased. I did I did drop Neris most places because I think it seemed kind of clear. They're, they had a really weird sequence over the weekend where, like, Neris was, like, almost forced to get a save. I think it was on the second end of a doubleheader because the other guys weren't available. He got it, and then I think he blew it the next day or something like that. But they clearly, like, didn't want to use him, and they kind of declared that uh, Alvarado was the closer – um, so I think Alvarado, again, maybe a bit of a similar situation here to uh, Cincinnati where I think Alvarado, you know, I mean, he's throwing 100 miles per hour from the left side. Like he he could find it. Like the, the walks have been too much, but a, clearly a, a more talented pitcher than Archie Bradley. Archie Bradley, I just don't see it at all. I mean, I, you know, if, if, if Alvarado can't do it, I think Neris would likely take it back from, from Archie Bradley. Because, again, Neris, again, not a perfect pitcher by any means, but he's been pretty good. He's been okay this year. He's been a, a serviceable closer in the past. Like he can obviously do the job reasonably well. I know Philadelphia fans would probably disagree, um, but 
if you just look at closers around the league, he's kind of, you know, middle of the pack, I think. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Naris got this job back at some point. I, I can't roster Archie Bradley. I saw him going for a lot of money. It's like, man, uh, this is one of those situations where it's like, I don't, even if he gets some saves, the, the damage he does to you, even if it's not right away, it's on his way out when he's still going to be in your lineup, one of these days he's going to give up, you know, like seven earned runs in a week over like, you know, one and two thirds innings, something like that. So I couldn't roster Archie Bradley really in any league. I know, you know, some people have the the uh, philosophy or opinion that, you know, it doesn't matter. It saves or saves. It doesn't matter who gets him. I, I get it. But I just I just don't see it with Archie Bradley. <clears throat> Yeah, neither do I. I wasn't a, a big Archie Bradley guy going into the draft season. I was a Jose yeah. Alvarado, and like I was going him late. I, I had all I had like Naris on like yeah. literally like fourteen on my seventeen team. So <laughs> yeah, I looked at like all my like NFPC fifties and DCs yesterday, and I think I had Naris on like eighty percent of those teams. I'm like, yep, there he is, all going to the bench now. Fun stuff, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll see you later, Hector. Especially yeah. in DCs, yeah. Well, you'll be yeah. back in there. You'll be back. He'll, he will have a run again. He definitely he will. Alvarado, I like, but yeah, Bradley's that guy. Like, he doesn't have it anymore, like you said. I remember that Nationals Phillies like twenty something run combined game last week when they bring out Archie Bradley and with the bases loaded to face Kyle Schwarber. And you're like, yeah, this is going to end well. Yeah, and so it's just it's what he's doing when he's coming in. Archie Bradley that game came in in the sixth inning. That's all you need to know, people. That that tells you their whole story of where that bullpen sits. So grab your Jose Alvarado until Hector Neris gets back in there for sure. Yeah, um, talking young pitchers. And it kind of made me chuckle because when I saw the bids, Zach Thompson went as high as $152. Zach Thompson looked great uh, in, in his last start. Like, there's no hiding that. The, the pedigree is somewhat there for Zach Thompson. Um, I'm not the biggest of prospect guys. I enjoy them. I, I pay attention when they get closer to the big league levels. But, you know, he's pitched pretty well of late. Are you buying into uh, Zach Thompson on this Marlins squad? A little bit, yeah. I didn't actually pick him up anywhere else. Maybe one or two teams I did, but I was kind of I've been kind of set. My my pitching staffs have, have looked pretty good, so I didn't really need someone. And I think he's got a tough matchup this week, so it was one of those situations for me. Pitchers like this, who I think have somewhat limited upside, I don't generally pick them up unless I'm going to use them that same week, right? Because things just change so quickly in the pitching landscape, I, and I like to have a bench full of hitters, so I don't miss any at bats in the you know in the uh, Friday through Sunday when you can change out your hitters. So, like, on my best OC team, which I think is a contender for the overall, my bench is entirely hitters. I literally have a nine-man pitching staff, right? I have Kenley, I have Liam Hendricks at, at closer, and then I just stream that last ninth pitcher spot. Um, and, you know, I had a better option, I thought, than than, uh, than Zach Thompson. But I will say I have been kind of impressed with, with what he's done this year. I did use him in DFS in that last start, I think, on Saturday. He was, he was pretty awesome in that one. And has looked good in general. Uh, the command looks good. He's got a good pitch mix. I know, uh, you know, some of the advanced metrics for stuff doesn't necessarily think he's that great, but I'm not sure if those take into account that he's six seven, right? And some of these guys that are actually like Bailey Ober a little bit for the Twins as well. And some of these big tall dudes, they they, they kind of mess with hitters to some degree. And I mean, Thompson was dominating at Triple A, right? I mean, only 15 innings, but. Uh, a super high K percentage and low walk rate. And now he's doing the same thing in the big leagues. And, you know, he does get to pitch half his games in Miami, which is a great place to pitch. Miami pitchers in general have done pretty well. And he looks like a, just, just the eyeball test watching him pitch. He looks like a guy who kind of knows what he's doing out there. So 
Yeah, I think I think Thompson can be serviceable. You know, you got to have I, I think somewhat of a a quick hook with him, right? If things go south, you just kind of move on. But I, I think there's some upside here. Yeah, I think he was worth the pickup if he needed some pitching this week for sure. <laughs> yeah, especially with uh, Miami, and they don't really have a lot of depth to go with, so they're going to let him run unless things go bad. He's gone five or more innings in two of his last three starts. He's only given up three runs all season, and he has six or more yeah. Ks in three straight. So he's starting to really get it going. I don't, I don't mind that at all. You mentioned the matchups. He's got at Atlanta this week, and then yeah. home, versus, home versus the Dodgers next week. So we'll yes. really see. We'll see how things are going for for him. That's what I looked at it. I'm like, I don't think I'm going to use him. I don't. I'm not pitching this guy at Atlanta. You know what I mean? And then uh, even if he did well there, would I really want to use him? Um, Against the Dodgers, if he didn't do well against Atlanta, he might be a drop candidate. So I just didn't see spending a bunch of fab on a guy that I couldn't use this week and had two tough matchups coming up. Yep, no doubt about it. Now a fun one. This is round two this season going up and back from the minor leagues for one Keston Hira. Yeah. Um, if you, for those that listen to the show, obviously follow Vlad Sedler. He's he's been been banging that drum in his articles, which is a great article. He's been banging it, and right now it's looking good since his return. He's at three home runs. He's hitting three fifty three. Uh, with only a 300 BABIP, I'll give him that. Like he's he's somehow doing something here, and he's only striking out 25 percent of the time, which I think is the biggest kicker. I know it's a super small sample. Like, don't get me wrong, but there's at least some glimmer of hope. Maybe or are you just like, no, it's it's coming back to to not happening for you? I mean, it could happen. I kind of have my my doubts, to be honest. You know, I know I know the the power has been there, and I don't mind the pickup at all. Right, like. Yeah. He's clearly got upside. I mean, if things turn around for him, there's no question he's going to hit for power and maybe a little bit of speed, although it doesn't look like the speed component's really coming for him, although kind of hard to know this year because he's just never been on base so far. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't mind the, the speculative ad. My hunch is that these guys that, you know, I, I, you mentioned striking out 25% of the time, like, okay, you can survive that. You get up to 35%, and it's not like this is some – precipitous decline in strikeouts. You know, it's just a little bit so far. I think he's had pretty good matchups. I tend to think the strikeouts are going to stay above 30%. It's a hard thing to overcome. It, it just is, you know, you're just so prone to slumps. Obviously uh, uh, the Brewers have shown that they're willing to send him down. I, I think if he struggles again, and I know Vogelbach got injured, which kind of solidifies it or would seemingly solidify his playing time. If he hits, I mean, if he's striking out, 35% of the time, you know, what's this rate on the season? 37%. You just, crazy. It just doesn't work. Uh, so maybe he's figured it out. I kind of have my doubts, to be honest. Yeah, I was skeptical. Like the first go around, I'm like, okay, I'll get him for cheap in a 12-team or whatever. And that didn't work, so I dropped him again right away. I didn't get him this go around. I, I got outbid for him. I just didn't want to break the bank for him this time. So far, so good. We'll see. Uh, there's no doubting the overall hit tool. It's just a matter of can he put bat to ball. With, and that's the that's the million dollar question with Keston here. So we'll yeah. wait and see on this one. But uh, we talked about prospects that have been kind of disappointing overall, like even Jared Kalinick, Wander Franco. You mentioned all these guys that I wouldn't be shocked if September's going to be beautiful for them. Like that's that's yes. how things work. But um, Daz Cameron was a guy that I was like, okay, I'm going to be skeptical on. Like we saw him at a, a cup of coffee last year, wasn't great. The pedigree is obviously there. He's been up and down so far in his short run. But it's been much better of late, if that makes sense. Hit in the middle of the Tigers lineup, not the best lineup, but he's there. And they've been sneaky productive, actually. I won't be like completely downing them. But we're seeing some power and speed with him. Are you buying in on a guy like Daz Cameron? 
Yeah, I did pick up Daz Cameron a couple of places, yeah, and I'm, I'm high on his uh, his teammate Akil Badu. We could probably talk about those yeah, guys no, together. We were, right? I know that's why that's why you're that was the gif and the tweet because I know you're the Badu guy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I was in on, on Badu uh, from from the get go. I drafted him on a, on a couple teams. Yeah, yeah, drafted him and have actually picked Badu up. Uh, I have him on most teams at this point. Yeah. Um, so yeah, to Daz Cameron first. A lot of talent here, I think, you know, and I would actually maybe potentially say perhaps more upside than Keston here because you have the speed component, I think, for, for Gaz Cameron. Uh, the Tigers have running. Their offense has been productive. I think they – don't quote me on this, but I think this might be their second consecutive winning month, like winning record yep. month. So, yep. um, yeah, they're, they're playing better. It looks like Gaz Cameron – like I think he has the potential to be a, just a straight-up every single day player right in the in the middle of that lineup if he can if he can keep you know he needs to keep the strikeouts down as well but it was only 17 percent at triple a in those 85 plate appearances at 28 percent right now at the big league level so that's a bit concerning but he has legit speed it looks like the defense is pretty good in the outfield um yeah three stolen bases and three attempts so far the uh the stat cast looks pretty good. So he did hit a ball 112.6 max EV, which is – that means he got some power, right? He got some pop in that bat. He can he can go the opposite way. I've seen him go, to, you know, to right right center field. So I like those guys that can kind of spray the ball all over the place. You can't get shifted, right, if that's the case. That helps the BABIP, of course, which he's bad. I think, yeah, pretty high BABIPs for most of the stops at his minor league career and a 12% barrel rate so far. So – I like what I've seen from him. Again, I think this is one that could easily go south, you know, at any time, but potential, right? I, you know, I think you're looking at an upside of, you know, maybe something like, I don't know, 10 home runs, 15 steals, and 250, you know, the rest of the way, which that plays, especially in a 15-teamer. In a so, yeah, I do think he was an interesting pickup, although – I do still like his his teammate Akil Badu a little bit more. Yeah, no, I was with you. I grabbed Cameron in a couple of leagues. I was was again not trying. It's that time of the year. I'm not breaking the bank on anybody. Like listeners of the show, we've know seen that by we've now. seen those. Uh, yeah, those bids are going way way down. Yeah. You know, like you I just looked, I just looked on the NFBC. He yeah. went Casimir went as high as fifty seven bucks. I don't remember the last time we saw like a kind of quote unquote big name go for that cheap as the highest bid in all of the NFBC leagues. So. That says a lot right there, but I'm with you. I think there's a lot to like there with him, They're, and they have no reason not to play him unless he really hits the skids. So that that's the beauty of it. But you mentioned his teammate Akil Badu, and it's just been a tale of two Badus is the way I look at it. The first yes. the first one we saw, this power guy, average is wonky, all this kind of stuff. Kind of gets set back to the to sit on the bench for a bit, figure it out. And they always say, you know, you know, the, the legal make an adjustment to the rookie, the rookie needs to make the adjustment back. Now he's made an adjustment, but the power's gone but the um, base skills are through the roof. Just the month of June alone is walking 14% of the time, striking out less than 17%. Like a 423 OBP is outstanding, and he's stealing bases, but there's no power right now. So what's your thoughts on Badu? Yeah, so a, a few things. Um, so the, the power, I know it hasn't been there. It's going to come back, right? The power – your power just doesn't go away. He's clearly changed his approach, right? For the better, mm-hmm. clearly. It just, he was striking out too often. The power was obviously there early. He had some really impressive opposite field home runs. Um, and, you know, I think it seems clear. I haven't, like, read this or seen an interview, but he's like, okay, I got to make more contact, right, to, to stay in the lineup. And he's drawn walks, right? I mean, you mentioned, like, over the last 
30 or so days. I think he's like third or fourth in the entire league in on-base percentage, which is just crazy for a for a 22-year-old rookie who didn't play ever above A ball and was kind of playing uh, sporadically to start the year. To be able to make that adjustment in the first place makes me confident that he can, you know, slowly maybe, okay, I, I, can, I can know how to make contact now. And then maybe, you know, maybe his pitch recognition is improving, maybe get him to some himself into some better counts and, and then start swinging hard again, right? Because it seems like he's kind of – it's weird to say sell out for contact, but it does seem like that's kind of what he does and it's working for him. Uh, he's leading off, yep. I think, every day now against uh, right-handed pitching. And when you give him – you know, I mean, he's at a 13% walk rate on the year. That's been even higher over the last – uh, you know, over the last few weeks, and he's stealing bases, right? Nine steals, just two caught stealings on the year. He did have a 24 steal uh, season in 2018 and just 113 games. If you've got that high on base percentage like he does and you're stealing bases and you're leading off, you're probably going to get a lot of steal opportunities, right? He's getting on base 42, 43% of the time to start the game. He's going to be running a lot there. So, uh, again, steals are hard to find. It seems like he's going to keep on providing them. I think the power will return. I know, you know, people have some concerns about that, but I think maybe people just see the name Akio Badu. He doesn't seem like a speed, doesn't seem like a power guy, right? He seems like a, a speedster, just, just the, the name of him. And then you throw in the fact that he hasn't hit much for power, but I know the power is there. I've seen it. So um, yeah, I think he has a ton of upside given the adjustments that he's made already. And you know, I think the Tigers are, are maybe going to trade what Robbie Grossman I would maybe expect Possibly. to be yeah. on the move and kind of any other pieces. And listen, if Madu keeps us up 420, 430 on base percentage, you know, he's got a 129 WRC plus. He's been 29% above league average. It's just in terms of offensive production. Eventually they're going to start letting him hit against lefties. You've got to find out. I mean, he's 22 years old and he's producing. So, I wouldn't be shocked at all if, if he started getting a bats against lefties. The numbers so far look horrible, but it's very few plate appearances. They've really protected him against lefties. If he keeps producing like this against right-handers, it would be crazy for them not to not to let him try to, to hit lefties. So, And who knows if he can do it? We've seen him make a big big adjustment so far. So I'm very, very high on, on Akil Badu and uh, excited to see what he can do rest of the season. Yeah, no, I like him quite a bit as well. I have Him and Daz Cameron were some of my more – popular ads this week uh, just for multitude of reasons that we just talked about here and the on-base skills, the adjustments he made. I'm very, very excited to see how that develops. And if anything, you got a guy like Miguel Cabrera sitting down on the bench with you. He's going to get you to keep tweaking your swing to get that power back. I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, put that one past him either. So yep. yeah, just keep getting on base, steal back, score runs. Like you said, that offense is getting better. If people go to like the team splits pages and on fan graphs and look like 30 days roll, like stuff like that, this team's actually been pretty darn good. So it'll be surprising to, to many people out there that don't see it on the daily. A couple more here, an interesting one that uh, popped up over the weekend, Kyle Moeller of the um, Atlanta Braves. The Braves are just decimated with injuries in that starting rotation. So Moeller got the call, and he's been pretty good the last two times out there uh, making these starts. He had nine Ks against Cincinnati on five innings of no runs allowed. So he was quite popular as ads this week also, as high as $71. Are you in on a guy like Kyle Muller? Kind of lukewarm on him. I, I do think there's some upside there. Uh, so we did see 31 innings out of him this year at the AAA level, and the strikeouts were there. 
but the walks were also a, a huge problem for Mueller. Um, I like kind of the, you know, the non-stat parts of him. I mean, a 6'6 lefty who can throw 94, 95. He actually, watching him pitch, he reminds me a lot of Trevor Rogers, who's been yeah. just fantastic for the, you know, just a, a giant lefty who's got some gas from the left side, hides it pretty well. So, yeah, I, I don't know how often he was picked up. I kind of wish I would have grabbed a couple shares, just a speculative shares. I don't know if he's still available. I might be into that. Um, yeah, I, I think there's upside there. It's just can you harness the control? I'm generally pretty hesitant to to take the rookies coming up that couldn't throw strikes consistently at the minor league level because my assumption usually is that, you know, at the minor league level, like, I assume you're trying to almost never walk anybody, right? You're not like pitching around guys. Sure. You get to the big league level. You've got to do that a little bit more, but when you, you should be, if you're coming up to the big leagues, you should have been able to throw strikes at the minor league level. So I'm always worried that these guys are, you know, these, the, the big league hitters are going to be able to fall off more pitches, extended bats, and, and the walk rate is going to be uh, just, just a huge problem. So I don't know if that'll happen for Mueller. I mean, some of the indications certainly look like it. I know he's been solid these last two starts, but uh, first pitch strike rate, a, a metric that I like to use a lot because generally pitchers are trying to throw a first pitch strike, right? Nobody's ever really trying to throw a first pitch ball because you're not really trying to get a chase. He's at 30. 39% and 33% in these last two stars, which is just, uh, you can't survive like that. So we'll see. I mean, maybe they'll figure something out, right? I mean, it's possible he'll make an adjustment or they'll figure something out with those mechanics to get him more consistent. I think there's upside here for sure, but I'm I'm scared to start him right now, which is kind of why I didn't pick him up. I'm, I, guys that I'm unwilling to start, I generally kind of leave on the wire, let them blow up someone else's ratios because I'm, I'm pretty cautious with my – with my ratios. I don't like to, uh, I don't like to, to start these, these wild pitchers too often, but I do like what I see from him in terms of talent for sure. Yeah. I'm with you on the ratio comments. It's, that's what started a fun Twitter debate last night. So that was a uh, part of my, my, my issue there with uh, the whole situation. So I didn't grab Mueller either. He's picked up in 175 leagues. He gets Miami at home this week and he's at Miami next week. So if he pitches okay. well this week, he's going to be a very popular ad next week going into Miami. Be one to, to monitor for sure. Yep. There weren't a lot of great two-start options this week, and for me, I could be wrong. If you were going to make one on the waiver wire, Caleb Smith at least kind of checked the boxes there. Uh, the walks are horrible. like They're just really, really bad, but the strikeouts are there. He's been effective since joining the rotation about four or five starts ago. Um, he, he's been pretty darn good overall for this Arizona team. And you go and face St. Louis to start off the week, that's been just horrible versus lefties. So um, are you interested in a guy like Caleb Smith, or is this kind of a guy that could mess your ratios up as well? Yeah, I really liked him. I, I had him on a lot of teams. I think that was in 2019 when he had that. He had a, like a really good run for the, the Marlins for the Marlins for a while. I think it ended maybe due to injury. I, I can't recall for sure, but um, so yeah, I, I'm kind of a, a fan of him in, in general. Man, I'm hesitant to roster uh, Diamondbacks pitchers in general. Like, yeah. I mean. Are you ever going to get a win? They never <laughs> win games. They have like the worst bullpen ever. They're going to be trading all their good players. The the defense is is just horrible. Behind, I mean, did you see the the Vogelbach play? Oh yeah, it's like literally. I could have probably ran. My fat ass could have ran and tagged him out before he got there, and they just sat there and watched him. <laughs> yeah, and it's just. I mean, this team is just dead, dead in the water, and so. I, and I don't think Caleb Smith is some 
you know, such a talent that he can like overcome and like be an ace for the staff. I just, I just don't see that. Even the last three games, I know the results have been good, but a swinging strike rate below 9% in all three of those games. And that's, you need that from Caleb Smith because he's going to give up home runs, right? He throws a lot of high fastballs. We'll see against the Cardinals tonight. I actually like, uh, I like the Cardinals stack a little bit, those right-handed power bats against him. I think he's going to give up home runs. And if the swinging strikes aren't there for him, um, I think it's going to be a rough go. So I did consider him as a two-start option, but I got a, a lot of gun shine and didn't pull a trigger. I think I might have grabbed him maybe one place. But, yeah, I, I'm a big two-start guy. I'll chase the, the two starts all the time for sure. But I, I, this one made me a little bit scared. I think there's some upside there, but I think it's mitigated by his uh, his team situation. <laughs> yeah, I guess this year after the early two-start blowups, the Gombers and everything, I'm just like – I'm just going to kind of take it easy for now. Like, and I've kept Gomber all season and he's been great until he got hurt. So at least I believed in what he had. Uh, I just didn't work out. So, so uh, we'll I'm in a, one of my leagues is a main event qualifier. So you got to get first out of 15 to get anything right. Second gets yep. you nothing. I think I was sitting in uh, sixth place coming into yesterday and my, I had enough saves and everything. And my two worst categories were, uh, uh, K's and wins. So I was kind of to the point where I'm like, okay, I got to start chasing these categories down with two star pitchers. So I, I was not a fan of Matt Manning whatsoever. No, no, we're going here. <laughs> yeah, I was not a fan. I was not a fan of Matt Manning whatsoever. Just in general, uh, I stacked against him yesterday in, in DFS, yeah. and I was not also a fan of, of of Garrett Richards, who I tweeted after his last start that he is he is absolutely done without the sticky stuff, and we saw him struggle again and his, his spin rates were way way down um but in this league and this is the only league i did it i picked them both up started them both and <laughs> i might i might be clicking the uh hide team button on that <laughs> team now i might just give up on no I, I won't give up quite yet but that was uh might be the nail in the coffin for me in that league but it just kind of had to go for the upside sometimes <laughs> but see there's the conversation that makes sense that's why it's always hard on twitter you know to like portray the conversation properly in a league where literally only one person out of 15 wins, you have to do these things. Now, there's some that say, okay, you have the overall, you have this, you have that. I get it, but we're still have three more months of the season. Is it worth yeah. blowing it up with like this? What, is- what has Matt Manning shown? He doesn't go deep into games, he doesn't strike guys out, he doesn't like so many things he does not do. What, what did he show? <laughs> it was, a, it was a, a poor decision on my part. I knew but no, but your situation is different. I'm talking like yes. in the grand scheme of things, what yes. is he showing you to take the chance? No, I was not anywhere close to starting him on yeah. uh, on any of my OCs or main event or anything like that. It was just this one specific league where you got to get first. I needed strikeouts. I needed wins. Two starts, decent matchups. I'm like, all right, I'll roll the dice here. If it doesn't go well, I'm actually yeah. okay with that because he's going to blow up teams in the other 17 leagues that I have, and I won't have many of those exactly. places. So I'm like, I didn't really even care that he got blown up. Like, yeah. it might have improved my overall ROI that he got blown up because yeah. I probably wasn't going to win that league anyway, right? So yeah. it wasn't the end of the world. Rolled the dice. Didn't work out. Wasn't surprised about it. And, uh, yeah, we'll move on. You basically did the old hedge stack in your main event quality. Yeah, right? pretty much. A <laughs> <laughs> um, couple more real quick here. Uh, the Tigers situation, Fulmer back to the IL. So now it looks like Cisnero and Soto both been kind of decent off and yeah. on, but it seems like it's going to be a back and forth mess. So any interest in this one? No, this kind of, I mean, a little bit of interest. I didn't pick up either of these guys. Um, yeah. Soto has been good recently. He is another guy with good stuff. Kind of, kind of odd, you know, I mean, uh, Soto, Alvarado and, uh, 
and um, Amir Garrett, kind of similar pitchers, right? Obviously very talented lefties. They all throw hard. Um, and they're, if you watch them on their good days, you're like, holy shit, this guy is like, looks like a Raldis Chapman out there. You watch them on their bad days, and uh, it's, it's, like not, it's not that. Seeing a lot of guy, you know, you're watching the, it's like the Simpsons gif where they're like marching around the bases because <laughs> they can't throw any strikes. So, yeah, I don't know. I think they're going to play matchups in Detroit. I actually kind of like Fulmer to, to hold that job. I've liked what I've seen from him when he's been healthy, but he just, he can't stay healthy. You know, he comes back for like two, three games and then something else. What is he has a, a neck strain now, I think. Um, so, yeah, if you really need saves, I think these guys are okay to take a shot on. But, again, I think this is going to be one of those roles that's shared between them. They're not that effective of pitchers anyway. It's not that great of team anyway. And I think most likely, you know, the situation <laughs> ends up in frustration for you with, with these guys. So I think they're more 15-team guys. I get it. Some people desperately need saves. Um, you know, I guess I'm fortunate to be in a situation where that's that's not really me. So th- these guys are kind of off my radar. But I get it. If you, if you need saves, you got to roll the dice sometimes. <laughs> And, and the moral of the story is don't break the bank for these committees. Just don't do yeah. it. I get so I get so sick when I see a guy spends like three digits and higher on any of these guys. It's like, no, that's not going to come. I don't get sick. I get pleased. Please deplete your well, fat. Well, yes, true. <laughs> made me feel a lot better about this. That yeah. is true. But it's like, oh, man, yes, don't do it. Don't do yeah. it. Um, let's talk about some of your leagues this year. TGFBI is one you're doing very, very well in, of course. I was doing well until about two days ago. I was like, literally, as we were talking about it, I went from, I've been pretty much hanging out in second because first place is running away with the league right now. Long ways to go. But I was hanging around second, like around 50 to 60th overall. I was kind of hanging out. Now I've dropped down to fifth. I'm 99th overall. So much fun. But um, that's the beauty of this tight-knit top. But I know you're doing pretty good. Like, you know, I don't have to scroll very far to see you in fourth place right now. How are things going for you there? Good, yeah. Fourth place, uh uh, overall in the TGFB out of what? There's 435 teams, so uh, a good one there. I, I will confess to having some bitterness. I, you know, I was I, I do mostly online championships, which are 12 teamers, okay. and then I do I did do one main event, which is a 15 or two two 15 teams. One is the main event, which is obviously the the 1700 buy-in, where my first two picks were were Mondes, or Mondesi and Bellinger. So Ooh, that man. team is struggling. It's it started to climb up a little bit, but uh, the struggle there. And then this other 15 team, which is TGFBI, which I'm in, you know, fourth overall. So I, I wish those were switched a little bit because yeah. it's obviously the free league. I did get in the uh, the side pot, so so maybe we can win some oh, money there. And obviously, cool. it's it's a fun league to play in, right? Uh, you see all these industry names up near the top. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy I'm doing well here. Had a uh, yeah, pretty good, pretty good core. You have Vladito and Fernando Tatis for Christ's sake, like, and I don't know how many teams I've seen that. That's yeah, insane. yeah. Core of uh, Vladimir Guerrero, Ozzy yeah, Albies, Fernando Tatis, Brian Reynolds, uh, Shohei Otani, Clayton that, Kershaw. That'll do it. That'll do Carlos it. Rodon. Yeah, this is a it's a it's a stacked team. It's it's hard to and your second place in your league, which is uh, like hilarious to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fourth overall, and the guy that's in fourteenth overall is actually yeah. first. So I, I think I'll I think I think I'll run him down. Got uh, some decent stashes. I've been healthy, so I got Bobby Witt and Eloy on the bench, waiting to waiting to come out for some some reinforcements. Hopefully, at some point, Sixto as well. So yeah, I'm uh, obviously pleased with this team. I think I got Vlad, and uh, I can pull up the, the draft board here because I got Vlad super late. I actually wasn't, unfortunately, all that in on on Vlad, but I got him. Yeah, in the the fifth round, second pick. So that would have been pick. 
62 for, wow, for Vladimir Vlad. Guerrero. So shame on you, uh, league so, mates. Shame on you, Todd Zola. You pack, you passed on him at pick 56. You should have done better. George Springer, come on now. You chose the wrong Blue Jay. Yeah, Vlad Guerrero. Like I didn't want to pay the, like the second round price price at all, or even yeah. third round. But man, you're getting them in the back end where you were. That's yeah, that's pretty nice. That's the beauty. That's the beauty of certain leagues, man. Just certain things change. That's that's a gift right there. First, first seven picks here for me in a 15-teamer. Tatis, Kershaw, Albies, Corbin Burns, Vlad Guerrero, Rizel Iglesias, Teoscar Hernandez. What's your thoughts? You mentioned Corbin Burns with like you, we've seen things change yeah. a little bit the last few times. How like are you nervous or is it like um, yeah. he'll be okay? Very, 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 I have Corbin Burns on a ton of teams and uh <laughs> the, the foreign substance stuff, it's been a big deal for DFS, obviously, baseball in general. Yeah. It's it's annoying as a, um, you know, as a season-long guy, because you can't do anything about it, really. You know, it's like we didn't really know this was going to happen. There were rumors of it, and I um, downgraded guys like Cole and Bauer a little bit because I was a little bit concerned about it. So I don't have any Garrett Cole or Trevor Bauer this year, which looked rough and now looks – Pretty good, especially in Garrett Cole's case. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, but Corbin Burns to go back to him. I mean, I'm uh, yeah, I'm worried. I still think he's going to be a good pitcher for sure. Like one of those bad starts was in Colorado, which I kind of saw that coming because he's a guy like his number one pitch is his cutter, you know, which is a that's kind of a hybrid between a fastball and a breaking ball. We see generally breaking balls don't work in Colorado anyway. Then you throw in the fact that it's not spinning quite as much as it was with the with the loss of. I'm, I'm guessing. He was, you know, he and Woodruff, I think both were probably using the, the good stuff, right? The spider tag, right. I think. So, yeah, I don't think he's going to be an effect, as an effective. I think all these guys that lost significant spin on their pitches are going to take some sort of step back. I think it's, it's really hard to quantify how much of a step, and I think it's going to vary from pitcher to pitcher. But Burns still has premium velocity, right? Like even with – like he had by far, I in my opinion, the best cutter in baseball – now he still might have the best cutter in baseball, it's just not by far the best one. So I still expect him to pitch well. Of course, there are perhaps inning concerns coming up down the road, although with Milwaukee playing well, I don't know. I, I, I kind of think some of that stuff's overblown. Like, are you really going to – if you're competing for a division title, are you really going to say just as an arbitrary number, your pitcher feels fine, right? He's healthy, and you're like, yeah, you can't pitch anymore. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of doubt that's going to happen. I mean, these teams are competitive. The players are competitive. Well, and they can't do it. They can't do it with him and Freddie Peralta. They got because they, they're both going to be on innings limits, and they need them both. Yeah. So yeah, they, it's yeah these guys, you know, Burns is like uh, Burns, especially Peralta. He's a big dude. He's, yeah, he's a big. He just looks like a star. I think he might be good. He's like a Lance Lynn he, type. He's a Lance Lynn type. Just go yeah. out there and throw. <laughs> so I, I kind of think they're just going to let him go. You know, maybe and, and he missed innings early on, right? Because he, he was on the COVID IL for a couple of weeks. So, yeah, I I don't know. I think if he keeps pitching well and Milwaukee keeps playing well, I think I think they'll let him go. So we'll see with Corbin Burns. I do think he's going to take a step back. I still expect him to be a top fifteen starting pitcher. Uh, I, at least I think he is right now. Um, so yeah, I, I think Burns will Burns will keep going, keep going pretty well. Well, and something you mentioned there, and I know you've talked a lot about it, and I've talked about it on shows with the sticky stuff. It's like it's universal, and obviously not everyone is using it, but a lot of people, like most guys, yeah. are using something, something along the line. So it's not but, like it's not like there's like a set metric on who's going to drop more than others. 
but there's kind of going to be a wave throughout the whole thing where everyone's going to kind of take a, a step back. You'd think like there's going to be some good starts, some bad starts. You're seeing guys get more hittable. They're still getting their strikeouts. Like look at Bauer now. He's giving up home runs like they're going out of style, but he's yeah. still getting strikeouts and going six innings. So it's one of those kind of you know hit and miss type deals. It might not be the shutouts for, but you know there's only a few guys like Degrom. If you can never stay healthy, he's he looks fine. Serzer looks fine. I wouldn't mess with him at all. But there's a few guys that you know just Cole's like the biggest. Like oh shit, it's uh, mm-hmm. it's really really bad. And I even debated benching him this week. And like I haven't been like one league, one league where I thought I'd be cute and take him instead of Degrom first. And um, I'm regretting that immediately right now. Immediately. So that's yeah, fine. I uh, I benched Burns in Force Course Field start, so I, I did that's pull that though. trigger, which was yeah. a weird thing to click Corbin Burns out of your lineup. But hey, you know, uh, which it did not work out at all. By the way, uh, Tucker Davidson, the Braves lefty, had a two oh. start week, and uh, I think he got hit around and then had the elbow injury, like an inning into it. So I was like, okay, luck and I. I, at that point, I figured Burns was going to go into Colorado and throw a you know a complete game <laughs> shutout just to punish me for my stupid decision. But uh, thankfully, he didn't uh, he didn't hurt me too bad. So going forward, this uh, we're, like I said, we're, we're pretty darn close to the halfway mark as we're looking at things. A lot of teams are playing eighty one games now and everything, so we're getting really close. Um, what's your approach going forward? You talked about in like your qualifier, you're going for broke basically. In other leagues, you're still keeping it safe. It's obviously dependent on where you're at in the standings and what stats yeah. you're going for. That's very clear. But um, how are you approaching the, the rest of the way here? Like an NFPC, like you said, where there's no trades. So you have to be creative on the fab basically. Yeah. You know, I think especially in leagues that you're doing well in and, you know, I have one online championship that is TGI, I think TGFBI is my my best team, but in terms of like a, a big, a decent money league, this online championship is the one that I'm kind of really hoping can make a, a true run at it. Um, you know, I do have the Fab Hammer, so I'm in I'm in first in the, or not for, second in the league, you know, hundredth overall or so with a fully healthy team. Other than <laughs> actually, this team has uh, Mondesi on it. Oh wow! And you're still a hundredth overall, man. If he can come back and give you like two months, Ooh. because the thing is. <laughs> I've, I've like kind of randomly clicked through teams and I don't think I bet maybe one or two at most ha- ahead of me have Mondesi on them. Right. That's the DFS player in you right there. Like so, how do I so, jump the stack? Yeah. So if he goes off, right. If he starts stealing bases and stolen bases is my worst category in, in this, uh, in the overall. So, so Mondesi was my second pick. I had the third overall pick and I picked Juan Soto, who has been a massive disappointment. So I'm sitting right around 100th overall with Soto giving me almost Ooh. nothing and Mondesi giving me almost literally nothing. Uh, and so obviously the rest of the team's been fantastic. I mean, I've picked up Brandon Crawford, Tyler O'Neill, just like, uh, you know, uh, just a long list of guys that have produced. So I'm really hoping Mondesi can come back and produce. But, man, he is he's so frustrating. Uh, so we'll see. And then Soto, man, uh, what, what's the deal with him? Cause you look at like his stat cast page, he it's looks hard fine. to find much there that he's doing wrong, but he yeah. is not producing whatsoever right now. I'm a hundred percent with you. We have a listener question. I think he's one of your buddies, but I have a, it's literally have, my brother. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I had a feeling cause he's asking a lot of questions. I knew we were like straight to the core of the yeah. situation. Yeah. And, but I, I have another listener. That it's, I'm surprised I didn't get one this time around, but it's like every day Soto has a bad day. I get a, a tweet like, Hey, why is he the biggest disappointment in all of baseball? And I, I mean, just get over it over. I don't even, I don't even get excited for his at bats anymore. 
No, there used to be must see TV, and now I was like, oh, oh, he's, he's gonna ground out in a second. <laughs> yeah, he, he hit into a double play the other night. And I'm like, you got to be shitting me right now. Like, what are you doing, man? But yeah, you even look at you look at the stat cast, you look at his rest of season projections. If you want to believe in those, they're all showing like the Juan Soto we know and love are going to come out and just keep going. It's so hard to believe, but the one thing you said there is you took Soto third and Mondesi second, and you're still hundredth overall in second your league. That part I wanted to take home because this guy that trolls me with the Soto stuff basically said, I took him third overall and it ruined my entire season. My league's over. I said, no, that's a you problem because you didn't do the good. The rest of your team, like you can survive Soto and make it work. But um, yeah, if you can get Soto to bounce back and you get Adam out of Montesi to bounce back, you, uh, you can make a hell of a run. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, real Muto, Will Smith are the catchers. Um Picked up Colin Moran, who of course got beamed in his first uh, first at bat of the week, and or maybe heard us on morning. But yeah, Edmund Crawford, uh, Kyle Seager, Juan Soto, Winker, Tyler O'Neill, uh, Badu, Jordan Alvarez, Josh Rojas, uh, and then a really good staff: uh, Kershaw, Barrios, Trevor Rogers, Kyle Hendricks, and then uh, Hendricks and Jansen closer. So pretty stacked team. I just need my two two studs to to come back and and, and produce. So I'm excited about this one. Um, but it's annoying to be doing this well and having your – I mean, Juan Soto seemed like the safest pick. I'm 100% with you, man. And I, I passed I, on yeah. Jacob deGrom at pick three because, yep. you know, you, Tatis, Acuna went one, two. I went Soto over deGrom. I mean, I would – I ain't going to do the math to find out where this team would be if it had deGrom yeah. on it instead of Soto, but it would be a lot higher up, that's for sure. No, I was I was big on Soto coming into the year, too. I was yeah. – I would, I would, I would like who wouldn't have been? Like, I don't. I don't like regret the pick, really. No, I don't regret I it either. Regret, like, I wish he would perform, but <laughs> I don't regret it either. It's because people go, "Well, you drafted him for his twenty twenty one." No, I knew he was regressed from that. But what he did last year was so insanely good. Even some regression was going to be an elite, I mean, elite player. If you if you look at what what he produced at age, you know, twenty twenty one, twenty. What is he twenty two still? I think maybe. Yeah, um, he's like, uh, yeah like twenty two. Historically great, you know, like with the true like all time greats. I don't think anybody predicted this. So he did have that shoulder injury. Remember that a couple yep. weeks into the season, yep. uh, he missed, I think it was the minimum time. Uh, it, it apparently was only hurting him when he threw the ball yeah. um, and the hitting was fine. I don't think he's missed a game. Healthy. I think he's healthy. like, you watch him hit. He's still doing his, you know, his little waggle in the box. Like if he was hurting, I think you would see some, I don't know, some sign of it where, so, I still – it's frustrating, but I still think he's going to turn it around. Would you, yeah. you have faith in Soto to, to get it going again? I think he will. Yeah, I think he will. Uh, guys like Freddie Freeman got off the bad starts. You yeah. look at their stat cast pages and stuff. He's slowly getting it going. Sometimes, like, it's cliche and it's just bad analysis, but some of these really good players just believe in the back of the baseball card. Unless they're hurt or something, they're going to come back and be the yeah. guy you thought they are, barring just something really crazy. And this, like, I, I mean, again, maybe a cop-out, but – there's no question Soto's been like among the most unlucky hitters in baseball. Yeah. If you look at some of the the you know expected batting average, expected slugging, which again, I, those things aren't necessarily predictive. But when it's Juan Soto and those numbers all look like the exact same pretty much that he had last year. I mean, there's barely anything there. If you look at yeah. like a few more ground balls, sure, and like the barrel rate's slightly down, but like the max EV is the best of his career. Yeah, so I, he looks he looks totally healthy. He's not missed a game, even even throwing from the outfield. He looks totally fine. So I'm hoping he'll go on a, a massive tear here. But it's uh, 
having Soto instead of Schwarber over these last three weeks has <laughs> just been like, man, <laughs> come on. Yeah, dude, I feel you. I feel you. It's, it's frustrating. It's like you're not taking him out of the lineup. You're just praying. Oh, go yeah. on just an yes. absolute – go on a Schwarber-like tear. And, I'm, uh, I'm thinking about benching him just for like a, a one weekend just to get him going, you know? Like, come yeah. on, bro. You Motivate him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, go 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 grab some pine and go think about your problems. Um, another question from – I believe you said it's your brother. He This is another fun tongue-in-cheek one, but it's – Interesting, Kyle Gibson or Garrett Cole? Rest of the season. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I've been a Kyle Gibson guy for a long time, so uh, it's been fun to to see him get going because he's punished me in the past. Man, uh, I don't know how long Kyle Gibson can keep this up. Like, he's been just fantastic, obviously from a fantasy perspective. I actually think this is a weird one. I think he was one of the most unlucky. I think he's more or less the same pitcher that he's always been. I think he was kind of one of the most unlucky pitchers for the last couple of seasons. And this year, obviously running super hot. I mean, he's just not a two ERA pitcher. There's just no, no question. He did interest introduce a new cutter this year, which I think, you know, he says that's made the difference, but like, if you look at like the underlying metrics, they kind of all look the same for Kyle Gibson that they've always looked. So I think it's just, you know, I mean, you get two on and two out and you get a, a fly ball to the warning track instead of a fly ball that goes over the fence. And it's like, th- that doesn't necessarily make you a better pitcher, right? I know the results better, but you still gave up the, the long fly ball. So fly ball. Yeah. at this point, I, I mean, I don't know. You just can't question it for the most part, right? I started him. I I've sat him sometimes when he's faced Houston or something. And even in those starts, he's been he's good. Been so good. Yeah. get Seattle this week. I got, I kind of expect him to keep pitching well at this point. And he, I would assume he'll be traded. Uh, he does have one more year on his contract, but Texas obviously not contending this year. I don't think Texas is going to contend next year either, right? I mean, I wouldn't think so. Um, so I'll be interested to see where he ends up. He ends up. I almost at this point kind of just want him to stay where he is, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. don't mess with him. So, I mean, any team could use a pitcher pitching to, to his level right now. So we'll see. I, I think he might get traded. Him and Gallo, uh, by the way, yeah. Gallo, I really hope Gallo gets traded to the Yankees. Oh, uh, that short fortune, right? Holy crap. He can play center field, I think, there. They, need, on a, on a yeah, right. they right. need a center fielder. Put him between Judge and Stanton, right? Jesus. Righty, lefty, righty. Getting <laughs> third in that order, he could go on a massive tear. So that's my prediction for Joey Gallo. I'm hoping so because I got him also on this. Uh, on this oh, man, you put him in that stadium. That'd be nuts. Speaking of the Yankees, I just got to ask you since you brought it up, a massive disappointment from Glaber Torres. Yeah, are you, are you like I, what the hell's going on? Like, I'm what never do you think a believer in, in Glaber Torres. He's he's one of those guys. Like, I th- there's a few guys like this every draft season where I couldn't even tell you what his ADP is. I have no idea because I never noticed when he was drafted because I never considered drafting him myself. Yeah. I just he was never a guy that stood out kind of in, in in my model as as just being like a good hitter. I know he had that run like it's against the Orioles, right? Where he, what, what he had like, I don't know, like 15 home runs. Yeah, against he, Orioles he owned camping yards, basically. Yeah. yeah so, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I've been out on him. I mean, I never even use him in DFS or anything like that. So I, I don't really have a, a lot to yeah. say. Just not a guy that I like. All right. Uh, the guilds who's doing very well in, in, in FPC. Oh, he yeah, he's a player. Yeah. He makes kind of a tongue in cheek joke, but you guys uh, know of anyone who can help predict injuries in baseball. This is getting crazy. Yeah, it is freaking bananas but uh we got some other fun ones here um at rob wedig asks who are some players who have been disappointing so far that you expect big things from the rest of the year you can flip it if you want and do guys that have done well and uh you think will disappoint like we said soto is there anybody else that kind of stands out as a guy that's been disappointing you kind of really like for the second half 
Yeah, Joey Gallo got off to a slow start, but he's been picking it up. And he is a guy, you know, everyone's talking about the the effect of the foreign substance enforcement on pitchers. I think it will affect have an effect on some hitters too, right? Like you said, this is kind of a universal thing. So Garrett Cole, Trevor Bauer, they get all the head, you know, Corbin Burns, they get all the headlines as, as aces who have seen their spin rate decline. But it's having an effect on, on baseball as a whole. Uh, we're going to see strikeout rates go down. And for a guy like Gallo, who's his, really his only issue, right, is he strikes out too much. I think some of these hitters with a lot of raw power are going to be able to access that more often. Uh, you know, maybe a, maybe a Tyler O'Neill, a Joey Gallo, uh, perhaps a, a Fran Mil Reyes when he yeah. returns, right, where it's like, Oh, if you can get the strikeout rate down from from thirty three percent to twenty eight percent because the ball's not moving quite as much and because you're swinging for the fences all the time, that could have a big impact. Because when you do make contact, great things happen. So you don't have to improve the contact rate that much uh, to to really kind of improve these guys' results. So I'm kind of looking at the the big power guys, the guys with a lot of raw power, as as you know that are swinging for the fences every time up. As guys that could really benefit from this, Joey Gallo would obviously be kind of top of that list. But, you know, most teams have kind of a, a, a dude like this who has mm-hmm. huge raw power. It's just a matter of how often can they get to it. I think we'll see them get to it more often. You know, this stuff's still going to affect relievers too. Like you, you forget that. I mean, half you know, almost half the bats come against the bullpens, and we're going to see some of these guys struggle more. So I, I'm kind of looking at some of those guys with a lot of a lot of raw power as, as perhaps producing more in the second half. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a good call, especially those bullpens with the ungodly stuff that might not be so ungodly anymore. So exactly. That'd be really interesting to see. Uh, Brian Matthews asks, what are your thoughts on the Urminator moving forward? He was doing great until Tony LaRusso did the whole get-off-my-lawn situation. Now it's been really mm-hmm. cold. Yeah, he hit that uh, – I think that was against the Twins, right? He hit that bomb yeah. against – was it uh, Estadio? Estadio. there? Yeah, I picked him up a bunch of places when he was kind of going off. He he was, I mean, he was looking legit um, and has gone super cold. He's lost some playing time. His numbers look pretty bad to me against right-handed pitching, especially. I think he's still going to hit lefties well. But, yeah, I actually, I think I dropped him in TGFBI this last week, um, partly because I had Joey Otani there, and you can, you know, no. only one guy can play utility, so it just wasn't worth it to hold it. But, I'm not sure if he's going to get back to it. It seems like the league's adjusted to him a little bit, and I don't know how often he's even going to play against right-handed um, against right-handed pitchers. I do think if you have him, you know, he's not in the NFBC, but if you are playing in a league where he is catcher eligible, there I would hold on to him, right? Because yep. especially in a two-catcher league, but yeah. I'm no, I'm not super optimistic on him going forward right now. Yeah, I was fortunate because the util only aspect, I did not grab any of your main Mercedes, but he was fortunate. But since that home run, hitting 165 with a .046 ISO and a 26 WRC plus. So Yikes. I didn't realize it was quite not, that bad. Yeah, it's been atrocious. So yeah. that ain't gonna cut it, folks. And I'm with you. If uh, you have other options, I'd I'd probably move there for sure. Yep. Um, Joe G asked a questions. He has both. Uh, Badu and Harold Ramirez as bench bats and deep daily mixed roto, but has to drop one by Friday. Any preference? There are others that are free agents like Hayes, Wade, Choi. Basically, if you had to drop between Badu or Harold Ramirez, which one would you drop? I'm definitely holding on to, to Badu in this situation. I'm pulling up Harold Ramirez here quickly. 
he's been yeah, good. he's been solid too, actually. He's yeah. been he's been better than I realized. I know you mentioned him previously. I kind of I guess missed out on that a little bit. Yeah, super low strikeout rate, a little bit of speed, but I think Badu has the higher upside for me. I think he mentioned this was a daily league as well. Yes, daily. Yeah, which would further I would uh, um, prefer Badu in any format, but especially in a daily league because Badu still does get platooned. But against righties right now, leading off Badu is like a really really good play. Whereas I don't know if Harold, Harold Ramirez is ever going to be as good of a play on a on any individual day than Badu is when he's in the lineup. So sure. I don't really play in any daily leagues, but the, the platoon guys, right, depending on how deep your benches are, can be very valuable in those leagues. And, and, and Badu, I think, I think Badu is really, really going to produce, especially against right-handed pitching. Yeah, if you're one that believes Badu's power comes back, and we both believe it does, uh, Pete, obviously, much more than me. He's, he's, he's all in. But... Um, <laughs> I would stick with Badu as well. Like I'm a big Harold Ramirez fan. I picked him up in a lot of places for cheap so far. So far, so good. Yeah. But uh, I like if, you, if, if there's a question yeah. in your mind, Badu or somebody else is probably going to be Badu for me. Yeah, so exactly. Take that so, with a grain of salt, maybe. Yeah, but uh, you can't go wrong either. Either way, I think on that one, it's it's and he's got tons of options on the waiver wire. So have fun with that one, Joe. But uh, Pete, that's going to wrap us up for All today. Right. Always a pleasure chatting, my friend. Uh, remind everybody where they can find you and uh, what you got going on over at Run Pure Sports. Yeah, over at runpeersports.com. We're uh, primarily a, a DFS site. So, you know, if you're in the Discord or whatever, of course, willing to talk season long at, at any point. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, frankly, you know, sign up for us if you're just a season long only guy. That's not our primary focus. It's mostly DFS and, and, and betting as well. So, really fun product over there if you want a taste of it. Uh, I'm on uh, four, sometimes five days a week, uh, free on YouTube from at, at four Eastern time, sometimes four theater. 4.30 Eastern time with a couple of other uh, good DFS guys. And, and that's free. So you can kind of check us out there if you like what we have to offer. Maybe sign up or not, uh, whatever, but it's a, a free show. So check us out over there at, uh, at runpeersports.com or just search runpeersports on YouTube. And I do also have a uh, first look podcast uh, breaking down DFS five days a week, Monday through Friday. It comes out every morning, uh, kind of going either game by game, position by position, usually 30 minutes to, to an hour, depending on who my guest is on those days. So check that out. If you're interested, just search Run Pure Sports uh, wherever you listen to your podcast. Yep, go check him out. Pete is one of the more knowledgeable players out there. So very, very good stuff. And always a pleasure chatting with you. Always a good show. Absolutely. And I look forward to doing it again sometime, man. For sure. Thanks for having me on. No problem. This was Bench with Bubba, episode 382 with Draft Cheat. Catch you guys later.